You're listening to Gifted with Sheila White, a podcast that will inspire you. Its purpose is to uplift and entertain creatives to pursue their passions through their gifts. Sheila White is a film and television producer, author, and entrepreneur. And in each episode, Sheila talks with gifted individuals about their journey and the lessons they've learned. It will also inspire you to make an impact, living your best purpose-driven life with clarity. And now, here's your host, Sheila White. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, I want you to grab a pen and call a friend. This is a show that you want to hear. This is a show that you will be inspired. This is a show that will encourage you. It's a story of a person that's gone through some life experiences, and he's going to share with us a little bit of his life, his life story, how he's overcome a lot of life challenges. So if there's someone out there that has been going through some difficulties in life, this is the story that you want to hear. My guest today, ladies and gentlemen, on the show with us, he's an expert. He's a maverick. We talked to pioneers and trailblazers. This guy is all of that, okay? He is a graffiti artist. He's a speaker. He's a minister. And today we're going to get into a little bit of his story of what God has done for him in his life. Welcome, 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 my good friend, Milton Coronado. Hey, thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> you know what? This cool, this dude is so cool and suave, you guys. He's 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 an artist. Um, we're gonna get a little bit melted into your backstory because I know sure. that life has not always been the way that it is today for you, um, of just you know being able to be the, the prolific speaker that you are. So let's go back a little bit and tell me about your story growing up in Chicago, you know, your childhood, uh, your relationship with your family. Let's go a little bit into the backstory to find out because of the man of who you are today. Sure. Um, well, first, thank you for having me. And I love to share, share my story and uh, a way that I can inspire and give hope to other individuals. So that's the reason why I share it. And if at any moment, while I've shared my story, feel free to, to pause or have me pause and, and ask a question because I share it so, so often that mm -hmm. I could just go on and share it, you know, when and there's little segments in between that we can expand on. So yes. feel free, feel free to, uh, to to do that. But as mentioned, yes, I'm born and raised in the city of Chicago uh, from Mexican immigrants. I am one of 10 siblings, one of 10 children. Many of us, right? And, and uh, I, I'm married, I have two boys. Uh, I'm blessed to to be here to have this opportunity to share. Yes. Um, and and countless others, I'm blessed with the opportunity to to paint uh, mm. publicly mm. in different cities across the country, sometimes yes. overseas. Mm. And it, it hasn't. One would say, "Wow, what what an amazing life! What a great opportunity you you're always having." But to get to this point, it it wasn't easy. It okay. wasn't easy, and. And I like that's that's what I want to I want to share because mm -hmm. others uh, I'm, I understand that they could be having a hard time and mm -hmm. as as I can imagine this being in focus is to inspire and to give hope right. and to motivate others mm -hmm. to not to lose hope and to keep going forward. And so as mentioned, um, yes, born and raised here in the city of Chicago, Mexican mm -hmm. immigrant. So I do speak Spanish. Um, wasn't easy. Uh, to backtrack before I was born, uh, my mother was, uh, so I am my mother's, you would say my mother's fourth child, 
Okay. And my and my father's first. Mm. So the, how that worked is that so my mother, she was previous before she met my father, she was uh, married. Okay. Uh, to this guy, and they had a pretty on and off type of relationship, marriage. Mm-hmm. He would sometimes leave, go back to go to LA. Then my mother would go after him. Then they would come back to Chicago. Then they would have issues. He would go back to LA. Then my mom would go after him. Mm. It, it was one of those relationships. Okay. And I, I, after having three children with him, she was tired of all that. Okay. She was fed up. And so she decided to come back and be in Chicago permanently, mm. living with her, living with her sister in the south side of Chicago. Well, it was one of those nights while living here in Chicago with her sister, my aunt, and she decided to go out. And it was one of those evenings that she met my father. Okay. They'd established this uh, relationship. It wasn't too public. And, and one of the times that they went out for an adventure, I guess she got pregnant in mm. 1980. Okay. Uh, they, had, they had me. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I go back to the whole idea that, you know, my, I am my mother's fourth child uh, oh, okay. and my father's, my father's first. So my father and my mother move in with my three uh, half older siblings oh. and they were not a Christian family yet. Okay. Um, they were not married. And they also had their problems. And then a year after I was born, my sister followed. Mm. Then in uh, 1984, another sister followed. But by then, my parents had accepted, my parents had gotten married and accepted the Christian faith. Okay. It was in 1983 that they got married. Okay. And then got baptized. And then in 1984, uh, that's when my sister was born my, okay. my mother's last child okay and tragically tragically um a year after that 1985 two years after my parents got married and accepted the christian faith that my mother uh passed away from a brain aneurysm oh so sorry to hear that. Yeah. yeah yeah how did that affect the family you know the other children i mean the mother's out of the home and there's sure. just a dad with all these children i mean how did that and you were right. one of the older ones as far as the boys right. are concerned how did that affect mm-hmm. them at that time well uh, as i was mentioning so my mother had these three children mm-hmm. you know, prior before i was born she had them with her first husband and so because my father wasn't their father they went to live with with their with their real father oh okay uh, at the okay. time he was already living in la so they moved to la all okay. three of them to live with their father that left my father mm. me as a five year with a five-year-old me mm. and my sister who was four and my other sister who was one. Oh my exactly mm. so my father I, I if i can remember correctly my father was 20 my father was 26 when he had me okay and so at, at this point i'm five years old five years later mm. he's now 31 with a five-year-old boy four-year-old mm. girl and a one-year-old uh, girl Okay. And so for what four or five months, he mm. was um, this single man with these three babies, three, yeah. three children, you know, yeah. um, because he needed the help. Obviously, we had a family from church um, mm. come and live with us. Uh, okay. It, okay. Was, it was a husband and wife and their three daughters that okay. moved in with us. And they were a big help 
uh, eventually moved out because my father went to Mexico and he uh, he got married. Okay. And okay. He got married, and so mm-hmm. he comes back to Chicago and introduces us to this person that I was told to now call call mom. Oh my! So can, if, if you can imagine this five-year-old boy, right, who saw his mother go six feet under and get be covered with dirt mm. and be told that when Jesus comes, she's going to wake up to now look at this woman and be told that I have to call her mom because she's now my mom. Mm. It, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was shocking and alarming. Yeah. And, yeah. and for any parent uh, in that situation, don't ever, please don't ever tell your, your children to call their parent, uh, your new parent, your new mom or your new dad, especially when they're that young. Right, um, right. It was traumatizing. Mm. And then not only that, but he comes back, not just with her as my new stepmom, but there was a one-year-old boy with them. Oh. And then he tells me that this is my little brother. And so here I am. I'm a five-year-old <laughs> boy, right? I'm told that this is my mom, that this is my brother. And I'm like, no, you're not my mom and you're not my brother. So the first couple of years that, uh, as a family, I grew up telling him that. And mm. so that obviously caused drama friction. yeah friction between mm-hmm. my stepmom and myself because i was telling this little boy you, my mom i'm not your brother mm-hmm. you're not my brother mm-hmm. and your mom is not my mom and my dad is not your your dad oh. he doesn't love you you were just picked up because my dad felt sorry for you so oh, I, okay. I was telling him this while growing up mm-hmm. so obviously the friction that that happened at mm-hmm. home between my stepmom and myself because of this mm-hmm. was was uh, was very abusive Okay. Uh, it was tra- traumatic and just uh, violent. Mm. Um, later in life, I found out that he truly was my brother, my half brother, that is. Okay. okay. See, what happened was when he got my mother pregnant for the last time before okay. she passed away. Yeah. He went to he went to Mexico um, for whatever reason. He went alone. Yeah. Okay. In that visit, in that visit, he met this woman, got um, her pregnant. Okay. Um. And so he married her after my mom passed away. Okay. Okay. So that was actually your half brother. And that really was my wow. half brother. But as a child, yeah. you don't know that someone just shows up and says, I'm, you know, this is your new family. And yes. not explaining the drama and all of the different things, um, the dynamics that goes into that, you know. Right. It doesn't it's, make it's, sense. It's hard for a little child to understand. I mean, it's like a kindergartner trying to understand that, you know. Right. So yeah, I know even that. If it, even if I, even if he tried to explain it to me as a five year old, I wouldn't have comprehended. What yeah. is it? I would have questioned. What is a stepmom? And what is a half brother? Right. And what do you mean you married her now after my mom? What do you right. mean you you cheated on my mom with her? I, for a five year old boy, even yeah. if I did try to explain that, I wouldn't yeah. have comprehended. Right, 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 right. Wow, wow. So this animosity is building up between your mom and your brother, and obviously right. your dad is kind of in the middle because you're his son yes but this is his exactly. new wife who he has this is this is he's the father of this child and so right. he's kind of in the middle of all this drama and how many years did this fester and go on because now at this point i know you're getting older as this is building you know i mean did this go right. into your teen years and things like that it did it did mm. um at some point when i was an early teen i found out what happened that he truly was my half brother, okay. and this is why he went over there to marry her to be because he he wanted to be a responsible Christian man now. Oh, and it made, okay. And, and it made, and it made sense to me then. Okay, okay. But um, as I entered those those uh, teen years, mm. um, 
as many can understand the changes that go on psychologically and biologically mm. um, it, it, within the body of mm -hmm. a teenager. Yeah. So I, I, I rebelled. I rebelled against the system. I rebelled mm -hmm. against uh, the system I had at home. Okay. Because even though that my father loved me and I knew he loved me, I felt mm -hmm. his love. Mm -hmm. um, he was very, um, I want to say, I, I want to say legalistic or too conservative. He was just very strict. Okay. Okay. And okay. then he and he was always working. Mm. And I and then I was living at home with this stepmom who was verbally abusive. Mm. I live with a fear. Okay. If I were to tell my dad, who was always at work, that this woman is um, hurting us and abusing us, then he's not home to defend us. So it doesn't make sense for me to tell him that she's doing this. So mm. I kept quiet and just took all the emotional, the verbal and the physical abuse that she mm -hmm. put on me and mm. my siblings. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I held that in. So by the time I get to high school, mm. as a 14 year old boy, I just rebelled. Okay. I rebelled against the system I had at home. Mm. I rebelled against God. I rebelled against the mm. church. I rebelled against authority. Mm -hmm. I was just angry, angry mm. at God that my mom died, angry at my dad that he was never there, or hardly was hardly ever there mm. at home, uh, angry at my stepmom for the way she was treating us, um, just angry at life. And so wow. I got involved with gang activity. Mm. Uh, mm. Not a big gang, not a, I wasn't part of a big gang, but I partied with them and yeah. um, people considered me part of that gang. Mm -hmm. uh, I never considered me part of it, but because I hung out with them, obviously by affiliation, by the by yeah. the way I looked at things, right. people thought I was one. And mm. so I participated in the parties and the activities and the you know mm. uh, 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 the street violence street that yeah yeah that happens along the mm. way. But uh, that only lasted two years, and in those two years, I I saw a lot of things, did things that um i'm not happy with that god forgave me for yeah and yeah. that i uh that i moved on from hmm. now yeah. with the gang life uh you know talking about let's talk about that a little bit because um here they're probably most likely in the streets you know late into the night and things and um you know participating in some illegal activities i'd imagine sure. is that where the art part of you came in at i mean were they at that time into some of the graffiti um, and things like that. And you just kind of said, okay, this is a part of me that I'm still rebelling, but these guys are over here spray painting and doing some things, uh, graffiti on, on, on walls and trains and things. Is that where that part of your life started with the, with the art? Well, it definitely started in high school, but, um, I guess I would have to backtrack a little bit. So after my mom passed away, um, art was my, was my thing. Okay. I picked up a pencil, picked up a, a, a piece of paper, and mm -hmm. I just got lost uh, within the sketch. Okay. I just started, okay. I, I started drawing often every day ever since my mom passed away. Mm. I guess you could say it was my therapy. It was okay. my way of escape and dealing with all the all the pain and abuse and, mm. and, the, and the anger that I was experiencing at the time. So by the time I get to high school, um, I'm still drawing, um, but I got but I got involved in gang activities and affiliations, mm -hmm. etc. Um, they saw the talent that I had in drawing. Okay. Okay. And so I started spray painting small things just to represent that mm -hmm. group of individuals. Okay. Okay. Uh, but different than graffiti, um, I I left it. 
So okay. two years, two years of gang activity go by, and I don't, I'm not doing much uh, taggings or graffiti stuff because by the time I get to high school, and excuse me, by the time I get to my junior year in high school, mm-hmm. uh, that's when I learned about this new uh, thing called graffiti. Oh, okay. What others call it, <laughs> vandalism. Okay. Okay. So okay. I replaced I replaced the, my gang activity and lifestyle mm-hmm. with the lifestyle of a graffiti artist, and it's very different. Mm. Um, it's very different. A lot of times people think that you know graffiti artists they're all gangbangers, and they are very, very, very different. I okay. remember when I was with my dad in the car driving around the city, he would look at graffiti like on a train or on a okay. wall. Right. I'm talking about I'm talking about street art, almost like, right. like a like a graffiti colors yeah and all that. yeah mm-hmm. my dad would my dad would point at it and say look gang bangers gang bangers gang bangers and it would get under my skin because i'm like no first of all i do that i don't consider myself a gang banger and dad you need to know that that's not gang gang is when they claim a neighborhood or they write this and that mm-hmm. or somebody's mm-hmm. name etc but mm-hmm. that is something completely different it took years but he finally um oh, okay. understood what the difference was between um street art graffiti versus gang graffiti took a oh, so, is, so is gang graffiti more so like you said they're claiming a territory or there's markings of their signs Correct. symbols and who they represent uh like you said yes. names and things like that versus just street art so to speak is art it's art right. it, you know it may be um you know just this different forms or different shapes of art or different colors and things like that so so exactly. people do go by and say when they see graffiti on the trains that's gang but there i didn't know there was a difference that's interesting there is okay uh, and mostly the, the graffiti that's spray painted or written on walls by gangs it's to instill fear uh, okay. and control mm. um, power mm. you know and send a message of hatred towards another gang etc oh, okay. whereas graf- the graffiti that i was doing now my, by my junior year in high school was um graffiti to represent the graffiti crew or the hip-hop graffiti crew that i was in Oh, okay. or my own my own name, my own mm-hmm. graffiti name, um, and also to get respect by my peers, mm. uh, pres- prestige to be recognized, to be known, mm-hmm. and for the adrenaline, for the rush, mm. for the excitement that came from mm. doing it without being caught. I mean, okay. for an, a teenager to spray something on a wall that everybody at school will talk about the next day where I can run away from the cops, almost be, be caught by them, but don't get caught. I mean, that's that's a big rush. That's a big excitement, you know? And so wow. all these hormones are being released within the body mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. It makes you it makes you addicted to it. So it's now, really so, hard for anyone to stop. So you're out there spray painting and you may hear sirens or something because it's most likely illegal if you don't have permission right. to to get a wall in a public place. So you're out right. there spray painting and and um, doing your art and the sirens are going off. <laughs> <laughs> and I can imagine you trying to grab all your cans and grab everything and kind of get out of there. Were there times when you just about didn't make it? Um, right. You almost just had to leave everything there because it's like you could have been arrested. Right. And at times there was. At times I did leave myself there, but it's not like they're going to go back and fingerprint all the spray cans and to find out who did it. You know, it's not oh, that serious okay. of a crime to, to do it. Um, but you also learn um, by doing it often uh, mm-hmm. on how to dress and where to go, where the sneaky areas, where 
you can go to paint and be more comfortable without being caught, et cetera. Mm. And mm. it takes time and, and, and practice, I guess. Wow. The more, wow. You, the more you do it, the more you learn about these tricks. Now, let me, when you mentioned about your dad, and I know there's a story with your dad, um, you know, besides the, you know, getting a stepmom and things like that, when did things t- start to t- turn um, or to get better in that relationship? Okay. Um, sure. So I'm looking forward a year now. I'm a senior in, in high school. Mm-hmm. I got accepted to go to the American Academy of Art uh, for college. Okay. And I graduate high school by the grace of God, 1998. And it's now my first year in college, 1999. And we find out that uh, my parents, my stepmom and my dad were getting a divorce. Mm-hmm. And so that had me stop doing graffiti out of respect for, for my father and the things that he was going through emotionally. Okay. I stopped, I stopped doing graffiti. Mm. That, lasted, that lasted for about a year okay. or so. Um, because then I saw him dating again. Mm. And so when I saw him dating, I figured, okay, he's got to be a little bit happier, more comfortable, you know, life is going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I figured we're okay now. Mm-hmm. I guess it's time to tend to go back into graffiti. Mm. And so I got, I went back into graffiti and, and writing on walls and bombing. It's, it's a, it's mm. a term that we use or, mm-hmm getting up it's another term that we use mm. to just to just paint to just paint everywhere wow um, wow i mean i'm in college and i'm much more influenced by other artists as well so i got comfortable with with graffiti and i got comfortable with uh, the different areas that i would go and paint on trains and walls etc um, at this point i recognize what places to go to and what not and mm. where not to go mm. where i would be comfortable and not get caught not get chased and so life was good. I was involved in, much more in church as well. And that's kind of ironic. Mm. I'm much more involved in church, but at the same time, I'm painting out and, and vandalizing a lot more as well. <laughs> and it was, you know, it's funny. I would go out there and paint trains or, or walls in the middle of the night by myself or with my brother and some friends. And I would pray and I would pray, God, please help us be safe out of here. Help us not to get caught. Help us have a good time. <laughs> so so when did the relationship happen um with the gospel graffiti because here you are doing all this art and then you sa- decided that hey you know what i'm going to get serious about this church situation thing here sure. and i'm going to use this graffiti to 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 actually make a difference and and have a more powerful message which is called gospel graffiti so to be leaving a message in your art right. and using your art to inspire people um, to give people hope. When did that turn, you know, come about from going just street type of uh, graffiti to now it's like a gospel graffiti? Sure. Well, that, that took a couple of years and that took um, a hard, a hard emotional loss in my life for me to, to wake up and, and turn, turn this talent and passion for street art into something positive and spiritual like that. So. It's now 2001, mm-hmm. September 2001, and I'm starting my last year in college, and I okay. have these dreams and goals, aspirations for life after college. And my sister, who was a year younger than I, she's now married. Okay. My brother, my brother, who was born in Mexico, my mm-hmm. half brother, 
he's now living with uh, his mom because apparently mm-hmm. the rules at home that my dad established were too harsh. So he decided to move out and go live okay. with his mom. Okay. And then I had a younger sister who was uh, starting her freshman year in high school at a boarding Christian school. Mm. She was away. And then I had two other younger siblings that were home as well. Okay. okay. So now we are, it's my father with his new wife, who was now seven months pregnant. Wow. And then me living there as well, starting my last year in college, and my three younger siblings, uh, one who was uh, away for boarding school. Mm-hmm. And so here I am thinking life is great. You know, I'm still doing graffiti. I'm, I'm still involved in church, mm. helping my dad out in construction every Sunday mm. um, go, while going to school Monday through Friday. But when you think life is going well, um, the, the devil throws you a curveball. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, the God is still there. God is still yeah. there. And so yeah. on September 30th, 2001, uh, on a Sunday morning, my father got up really early to go to work. And around 6.30 in the morning, I received information at my house that my father was shot and killed mm. um, in the south side of Chicago. Mm. And uh, four, days, four, days, four days later, uh, as a matter of fact, um, we just uh, marked 20 years of his, of his passing. Mm. Uh, four days later, October 4th, 2001, we buried him. Well, what happened then, with, with that situation when you said was, you know, I mean, he gets up to go to work and he's mm-hmm. in his car and then describe to us that day, what took place that day? Um, so it, the night before, September 29th, we're having uh, lunch at home and he's asking me, Milton, well, you know, what are you going to do tonight? And I told him, well, I'm going to go out with some friends from church. And that was a lie. Yeah, uh, I said I said friends from church because I figured it was friends from church. You will be more comfortable with me going out, but they were not from church. They were actually from school. Mm. And so I went out, I actually took my sister uh, with me mm-hmm. and we partied that night. OK. And so I get home like at two o'clock in the morning uh, and I'm worried. I'm concerned uh, because just three hours later, I was supposed to get up to go to work with my dad in mm. construction. Mm-hmm. so I'm like oh my gosh I'm worried I'm concerned how am I going to make it I'm only going to have three hours of sleep I'm not going to last all day but as I get home and I prepare myself to go to my to my bedroom I saw my father's work clothes all laid out ready for him in the morning and I said okay well he's sleeping okay I guess uh, uh, I have to fake it until I make it <laughs> so I, 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 I go to bed and then I, my sister wakes me up and she's like Milton it's dad's workers are at the door and they're, they're looking for you so I go outside like at six thirty in the morning, and they pick me up. They take me to the to the to the site where my dad was. Okay. And it was it was there that I found out that my father was shot in the head and killed instantly. Mm. Um, what happened was, he came to a stop sign, mm-hmm. and while having a conversation with two of his workers that were sitting in in the in the car with him, um, this individual crossed the street, but instead of reaching the sidewalk, he turned inward walking between my father's vehicle and the parked vehicle. And as soon as he was parallel to my father, he uh, pulled out a gun uh, out of his black hoodie that he was wearing and he shot, striking um, my dad in the head behind his left ear and killing him instantly. Mm. And, was, and it was that it, it was that wake up, that, that situation in my life that made me wake up and mm. really look in the mirror and reflect on my life. Wow. So four days, four days later, um, mm-hmm. it was a Thursday night. 
I'm in my room by myself and I put a pillow on the floor and I put a pillow on the bed and I laid myself over them and I prayed and I talked to God and I asked him for forgiveness. He forgave me. I gave him my burdens. I gave him my pain. I gave him my anger mm. and, and he took it. And I heard wow. a clear voice. I heard a clear voice tell me it's going to be okay. Mm. I got you. Wow. And it gave me, it gave me peace. I came, my, my room was upstairs in, in the second floor and I went downstairs to where my sisters were and some of the guests that we still had at home there. Mm-hmm. And we prayed and I told them after a prayer that things are going to be okay. Wow. That things are wow. going to be okay. Mm. Wow. And That's it amazing. Was, um, mm. four- yes. That- that's really amazing. I mean, that that still happens today. You know, there's drive-by shootings, senseless oh, crimes that are still happening today. And uh, it's so sad, especially in the city of Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just, you just don't know what's going to happen, whether you're in the car or not even in the car. Um, right. And but But this situation that turns your life around to the point where now you're doing graffiti and remembrance of people that have lost their lives. And right. let's talk a little bit about that because your graffiti, your art, your gifting, you're using that to help people be remembered, you know, their loved ones to be remembered. Um, let's talk a little bit about that on some of the mm-hmm. murals that you've done uh, throughout Chicago, helping people to, you know, giving them hope and, you know, painting portraits of the individuals. Um, right. You know, let's talk a little bit about that. So uh, the first one, I, I, the first portrait I did on the wall was for a, a book that I wrote years ago. Well, that I co-authored several artists, several authors in the book. Um, that was the first one. It was a portrait of Jesus. Mm. Um, and then years later, I finally had the courage to paint a mural portrait of my father. Mm. So uh, it took me a while to do that. I've always wanted to do it after he passed away, but I never had the courage to because obviously the emotional. Um, yeah thought that goes behind it right yeah yeah and so I finally had the courage to do so and I did it in two days and the reaction that I received from my sisters from my brothers from my siblings from my family even from friends uh was extremely positive and, wow and emotionally uh powerful for me and my mm-hmm. family okay and I realized how amazing how powerful and therapeutic something like this can be for the family who loses someone wow wow and I, and, I, and i left it in my mind you know i said okay um I, i'll lock it in mm-hmm, see mm-hmm. how this can see what i can do in the future for for others and it wasn't wow. until three three years ago i believe almost mm-hmm. that um that i did it again for a family who lost a young young daughter a mother mm-hmm. um wow. Who, who was strangled, um, whose baby was pulled out of her womb and wow. later passed away. Mm. Uh, I decided to to do a mural of her mm-hmm. because that story affected not just the family, but the entire city Community. of Chicago. It, it, yeah. it shook us. It shook <sighs> us. And uh, the reaction that I received from the community, from the family, from the city after I did that was so amazing, so powerful. I received mm-hmm. negative comments as well, yeah. like everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's public art, so it covers the territory. But the positive feedback that I received was much more overwhelming, much more powerful than anything else. Um, and I was able to 
share my story with those individuals who were open to listening to me mm. and listen to why I painted that. Wow. And it was there that in that relationship, in those conversations, in the, the relationship building that I was able to, to give hope and point to point them to mm. someone bigger mm. um, that has helped me and healed me mm. in my journey dealing with my parents passing, particularly wow. my father's passing. Wow. And, I can, and I've been continuing to do that ever since. And the mm. reactions that I continue to receive to this day, even after I finished the mural, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And it opens up the opportunity for me to share, to share the love and the hope that I carry. Wow. Wow. Well, you know what? We're going to take a little quick commercial break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to get a little bit more into that part of your life, the ministry, the calling um, into that. And also we're going to be talking a little bit more about the movie, <laughs> the movie. Okay. So awesome. we'll be right back after this commercial break. Get back out there in style when you shop at It Is Amazing Boutique. We have all the deals and steals you need for your next night out. Find upscale clothing and accessories for women, men, and children at affordable prices. For more information, visit our website at www.itisamazing.biz or call us at 815-582-4995. That's 815-582-4995. Imagine yourself being pampered from head to toe. Surrendering to the aromas of sweet serenity. Welcome to Libby's Soaps and Candles. Your destination for comfort and relaxation begins here. Visit us at Libby'sSoapsAndCandles.com to learn more about our exotic products. We are talking to Milton Coronado, the gospel artist. He's a speaker. He's a minister. He's not someone that just reads the news. He's someone that makes the news. And some of his murals have been um, throughout Chicagoland. He's painted all over the world. And uh, it has gotten the attention of the news media. There's Sometimes you can turn the television on and something happens in Chicago, and you'll see Milton being interviewed by some journalists about his mural on the wall uh, and things like that about his art. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal. And he's using this art uh, to be able to spread a message, a, a message of hope, a message of inspiration, a message of healing for people that have lost loved ones to tragic uh, circumstances, to gun violence and things along that line. And so, Milton, we were talking just before the break about the ministry. You know, you're using the art as a ministry, um, when you go to speak, you're speaking from a real place. You know, you're able to relate to people because of the things that you've gone through in your life, the hurt that you've had, some of the experience and things. And so you're able to relate to people from a place like Christ. You know, he was a he was a suffering Christ. He was a hurting Christ. You know, he went through some different um awful things that have happened to him and there's things that happen to you so when you're standing in the pulpit you're coming from a real place not a a polished background and things like that but you're I really know. yes you're really able to relate to people um in your ministry and i really really love that i've heard you speak and i've seen the the murals and the art um it's phenomenal and things like that which which really brings us to the point what when you're when you're painting what is on your mind and heart when you're trying to put that art on the wall to help people to remember their loved ones. What's going through your mind? Because these are huge walls. It takes a certain amount of money to paint mm -hmm. these 
these um, to do this art. So what's kind of going through your mind is you're out there for hours and hours trying to bring hope and people sometimes don't even appreciate it. Right. And, and there's been situations where it's been obvious that they don't appreciate it at all. But one of the first things that I always do with any mural, especially in projects like painting a portrait of an individual who passed away, mm-hmm. is to pray. I always start off a prayer and I ask God to just inspire me as to how to paint this image, mm-hmm. uh, to choose the image, let me know how to paint it, Okay. Um, where find me a, a location to paint mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. all that. He's basically... My, my lead, he's my go-to in okay. painting anything. Mm. Um, he uses individuals, people mm-hmm. with uh, influence, people within my network that help me um, along the way. And then by okay. the grace uh, that he gives us, I've, I've been able to connect and develop good relationships with people that can really help me get there yeah. and help me make this uh, project a possibility um, and make it a, a beautiful, uh, beautifying project not just for um, the city, but also, of course, for the family. Wow. And and I give thanks to them because they've been they have been vessels from God in my life to help me with these projects. And while I'm painting, I just pray that God can use my eyes, mm-hmm. my mind, that God can mm-hmm. give me the energy. Because even though I'm just standing in one spot, not doing a yeah. lot of physical movement, not sweating yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, it gets tiring. It gets mm-hmm. tiring going up and down a ladder, being yeah. on your feet for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's very tiring. So I just ask God to provide the energy to provide the me the strength um, and protect me because sometimes I'm painting in areas that are not the safest. Wow! Wow! Well, <laughs> yes. now who motivates you? Who motivates you to keep going? Because this is something you don't have to do, and I know you um, love art, but sometimes you're risking your life. You're you're out there like almost into the dark trying to just get something finished where it's not safe especially who motivates you what keeps you going to do this type of art because um like i said it takes money and it's not like people are just saying here's money to do this you know who motivates mm-hmm. you a couple of things motivate me really first one is is god i believe god has called us to be servants to serve mm-hmm. others mm-hmm. and uh, i live by this that you know, God has given me this talent to do something with it. And depending on what I do with it, it's my gift back to him. Okay. Um, so I use my talents to serve. So one, God, he's my mm. prime motivator. Okay. Two, it's it's my family, uh, my wife and kids. They motivate yes. me yes. because me, uh, me painting out there is time away from them. Mm. And so when I say I want to get this done, I want to get it done right and I want to get it done right fast mm-hmm. is because I want to come back to them and see them mm-hmm. and spend time with them. Yeah. And yeah. the uh, other individual who inspired me would be my dad. Okay. Okay. He taught, he gave me a very wonderful work ethic. Yeah. Um, he taught me how to work hard, push hard mm-hmm. uh, to develop, to grow, etc. And um, him being the technically the first uh, memorial mural that I did, that uh-huh. inspires me. Wow. And then lastly, who inspires me is the family who I'm, who I'm painting it for. Okay. Um, because I know their pain. I know what they are uh, feeling. I know what they've lost. I know the void. Mm-hmm. And I want to give them something that will fill that emptiness. Yes. Even by just a little. 
Wow. Uh, so all these individuals would say would inspire me, God, my family, my dad, and the family. Mm. Wow. Now, how did the movie come about? Coronado, Tagged by Christ. I mean, you used to do the tagging when you were in the gangs and things like that on, on different walls and different things. But now um, the movie that that um, that you're in, Coronado, Tagged by Christ. Let's talk a little bit sure. about how that came about, because that doesn't happen to every artist and every <laughs> graffiti artist, you know. Oh, well, and, uh, so well, how did like this I, movie come well, about? You know, like I said, like um, when, when you're faithful to God, um, he just opens doors. Mm. Um, when you give back to God and do things for his honor and glory and put him first. Yes. Um, no matter your circumstances and you keep your eyes on him, mm-hmm. uh, he opens doors and he, wow. he pours down his blessings. Mm-hmm. And so that's how this happened. I went to a church, um, in the, in the Northern suburbs and I went to go speak. And in the congregation was this, uh, young guy, good friend now mm-hmm. by the name of common. Mm. and he listened to my story because i shared a little bit about my story during the during that message and then afterwards he came up to me he's like listen um i'm starting off uh, i do documentaries and i would like to do a documentary about your life and so i kind of like brushed it off i was like yeah okay sure yeah I'm like, <laughs> and then he gave me his number right and then i gave him my number and i was like yeah sure yeah call me and i paid no mind to it because yeah i thought he wouldn't go to call but he was he was mm. he was on it and mm. he was a uh, diligent Mm. Um, and he was serious about it. Wow. And so it was a, it was a two year long process. Okay. Uh, obviously started in, uh, we started off there with him presenting the idea to me and then okay. we met in a coffee shop. We talked about okay. it. We designed the plan, told him what I wanted, what I didn't mm-hmm. want, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, it took several meetings after that until we finally started filming and wow. we called the people, we called the actors and mm. he, he reached out to friends that helped him with the camera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we raised some funds and, mm. and it came together really nicely, really nicely. Wow. And, I'm, and a project that I'm really proud of and a project that I hope will continue to bless others mm. as well. And you can actually see it now on Amazon Prime. Wow, that, that that's awesome. That is really awesome. Going from where you started with the hurt, with the, the, the um, dysfunction in the family, all the things going on, the rebellion, you know, going into the gang life for a pit or a little bit and just tagging everything, you know, so to speak, and then yet coming to to Christ and really getting serious, this tragic situation that happened with your dad. And it brought you to a place where you just really, you know, accepted the gospel. Now you're preaching all over the country. Your schedule is full <laughs> and things like yes, that. Your calendar is full where people are hearing your story. You're able to reach people in a real way, um, giving them hope and things like that. And um, how can people get in contact with you, Milton? We're just about out of time, but how can people get in contact with you to be able to have to hear your story? Um, we, we talked a little bit about the movie where they can see the movie. Sure. How can they get in contact with you if they want you to come to their location to speak uh, as a speaker, if they have someone that they want to have um, to be remembered, you know, with the, with the graffiti art? Um, how can sure. they get in contact with you? So you, people can find me through social media, through, okay. on Instagram. Um, I, I operate Instagram a lot more um, as an artist. And my Instagram handle is milt1coronado. Or they can find me on Facebook under Milt Coronado. Okay. Or they can uh, also reach my 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 website, which is crownedart.com. Mm-hmm. And in there, you'll find links to my email, to my Facebook, and to my Instagram. 
Wow, guys, we want you to crown, check www.crownedart.com. Okay, we want you to check out Milton because some of his art is phenomenal. Um, there's pictures all over Chicagoland. And like I said, the news reporters are in awe as they're interviewing him and people are gathered around <laughs> looking at this art. It's so phenomenal. It's really, really, really phenomenal. So friends, we're just about out of time. We want to thank you for listening today um, to this. If you did not hear this entire broadcast, please visit our website for more information, to get information on Milton, his art, what's going on, how to find his movie. Um, and you can please leave a comment at www road the number two eternity.net and remember my friends you are uniquely designed and strategically gifted so you want we want you to use your gifts to impact the world the way that milton is thank you for listening thank you for listening to gifted with sheila white we hope you understand how your gifts can make an impact on the world gifted with sheila white is produced by road to eternity a film and television production company